Hey, I'm Saul Weinreich. I'm the co-founder at Miner, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. And there's many of you who are listening to this show who are uh, potentially looking to do your own thing and go and work for a startup or even start your own company. Then I've got a very inspirational guest who's going to uh, tell us about his journey into this whole uh, space. Uh, his name is uh, Tim Kilroy, and he is the CEO of Adcomix. And uh, you, as you um, can spell that, it's A-D-C-H-E-M-I-X, uh, Adcomix. And it's a uh, Applied data science for retailers. He's based in Boston. It's one of my favorite cities. I used to be um, located in Boston and work in, a, uh, in Boston. So I love uh, Boston. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about the ta- the, the uh, Boston. But in the meantime, Tim, thanks for coming on my show. Hey, Paul, thanks so much for having me. We're really excited to talk about AdChemix and also uh, to talk about how great it is to discover your own path because uh, I think... More so than the great stuff that companies can do for for their clients, small companies and startup companies do amazing things for the people that work in them as well. Well, let's let's take this path then. Let's talk a little bit about Boston. I mean, you're set up there in Boston. I, I know that we've had a number of entrepreneurs in Boston. What's it like from an entrepreneurial perspective working out of Boston? Uh, Boston's actually pretty terrific. It, it is full of ridiculously smart people um, who are are both interested and interesting. Um, and what's what's really interesting about the way Boston works is there are really super hardcore academic technical folks. There's 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 an incredible amount of brain power here, and and that's thanks to places like Harvard and MIT and BU and BC. And there's just there's an there's a there's a a, a real a, a real conglomeration of of incredible brain power that uh, that allows for a really great talent pool. Now, but we're different than Silicon Valley because Silicon Valley is is uh, is much more of a a risk-taking, go big or go home, and here in conservative New England, we're much more iterative, uh, trying things, and if they don't work, we make them slightly better. Um, but we rarely do we make you know bet the farm uh, kind of kind of jumps. And that's not to say that we're not uh, you know that we're not really uh, innovative or or uh, aggressive. It's just I think it's more of a cultural thing. You know, this is this is a place where where you know people work really hard and they make things better. I don't know that I don't know that we're you know that that, that this is a place where where uh, frankly you you decide to to change the world because of some consumer facing app or website. This is a place where you solve really hard problems in a really smart way and you work really really hard to do it. Yeah, it's good to get a perspective on Boston. I mean, I, I used to spend a lot of time there. I worked in finance, and I remember, uh, you know, even just hanging out in Harvard as well. You can just go for a drink there in the the bar, or um, you go to MIT, or uh, you go down the wharf. I remember a lot of the places down there, and it it's just a, a very nice, relaxed kind of uh, atmosphere as a as opposed to maybe the more energized New York 
uh, or the craziness of Silicon Valley. So um, hopefully there's entrepreneurs listening to this who may think about setting up in Boston instead of New York or um, San Francisco. Yeah, you know, I think Boston is, is really, it's, it's, a terrific, it's a terrific place, uh, mostly because there's, there's so much young talent and you know, really, really smart people uh, who, who, who may not have, you know, they may not be shooting for the stars, frankly, uh, but but they're people who understand their craft and their technology, uh, frankly, better than anybody, and they're looking for an environment in which to grow. And I think that's that's a it's a it's a it's a different kind of mindset, but I think one that's that's really it's really fantastic. Uh, you know, especially if you are uh, if you're an entrepreneur who's looking to to attract quality talent, uh, who who are willing to work their craft with you. Uh, this is, I, I think it's kind of an unparalleled place. Great. Well, that's a good, it's a good pitch for Boston. Now we need to talk a little bit about ad commix before we then re- go back to your path. So it'd be interesting to know what is it and, and uh, what, what does it do to uh, help retailers? Yeah. So ad commix was founded, frankly, to solve problems that I experienced when I was the CMO of a $200 million online fashion retailer. Um, I knew that our cost per acquisition was $20. I couldn't tell you if that was $20 to sell a $300 pair of shoes or $20 to sell a $12 t-shirt. And if you're spending 20 bucks to acquire a $300 sale, that's okay. If you're spending 20 bucks to acquire a $12 sale, that's a pretty fast way to go out of business. So, so it was really hard for, for me as a marketer to make really smart profit-driven decisions uh, around how I was spending money, how I was tracking the return, and which products I chose to, to market. So we, we created AdChemix specifically to answer those questions. I want to be able to tell, or we can tell, our retailer partners how much it costs to sell that thing. How much does it cost to sell an Xbox uh, One? Or how much does it cost to sell you know, a blue cashmere sweater? Because the cost per acquisition is radically different across your uh, across your your product portfolio. There's high demand products. There's low demand products. There's high margin products and low margin products. And understanding your cost per acquisition for each one of those products is crucial to how you spend your marketing dollars. And for any retailer, how you spend your marketing dollars is the difference between success and failure. It's the difference between being a thriving two hundred million dollar business. And being a two hundred dollar business, it's you know it, it, it's in retail. Frankly, the margins are so thin that uh, it's it's really not an exaggeration that intelligent marketing is the difference between a huge success and a dismal failure. So, Tim, I'm guessing a lot of that retail money for marketing didn't go into uh, podcast advertising. No, uh, I, think, <laughs> I think exactly zero dollars. Um, <laughs> They're missing the trick there. That's the uh... <laughs> no, totally, yeah, totally, totally. I think, um, I, I, I think you know, really, the my experience uh, at, at that retailer would have been totally different if I'd ad- advertised in your podcast. Well, this is really interesting because, in a way, uh, when we talk about cost of sale, I mean, we have this thing as uh, indie app developers, which is cost of install, and it's uh, a similar it's ex- concept. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Um, now, now the, 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 what makes us different, frankly, is, is we started focusing on, on you know, sort of uh, maximizing or actually minimizing your cost per acquisition through paid search because that's where most retailers are spending 
the, the, usually 50% of their, their marketing, their digital marketing budget is headed towards paid search. So we decided to tackle the biggest problem first. So we've created a, a bunch of tools to, to sort of uh, identify patterns that are associated with, with either high profit or high value customers. And, and we found really interesting things. So uh, if we have a, a if we if we understand that a a search phrase like green dress size six performs really well, we don't see that as green dress size six. We see that as color modifier, item, size modifier. And once we understand that pattern, we can actually scrub against our our customers' uh, product listing and pull out every applicable version of that keyword. Because we understand that when that customers who are in the buying zone, customers who are compelled, frankly, tend to use very similar kind of linguistic constructs to, to say that, to express that they they have the intent to buy. So, so we're, we're actually able to really expand the language of the retailer to match the language of the customer, because the, the customers out there on Google or Yahoo uh, or Bing and saying, hey, I'm ready to buy something. So we can maximize their visibility to people who are in the buying zone. But then we, we figured out actually that that's not quite enough. Because when people are looking for green dress size six, um, it is very likely that they're not looking for any green dress from a particular retailer. They're looking for honestly one or two green dresses from a retailer. So, so we we look at at keyword uh, cohorts to understand that most folks who are searching for green dress size six are looking for this particular green dress. So, so we're actually able to not only understand that people are ready to buy, but by looking at enough data, we're able to understand exactly what they're ready to buy. So we can drive them to the right product at the right time. Well, this. I have to say, Tim, that in all these episodes I've done, this is the first time we've really focused on the behavior of the consumer. And I think it's often overlooked. And we can apply all the stuff that you're talking about also to the App Store yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, the, so the App Store is a little, it's a little harder, frankly, because you don't necessarily know what drew the customer to the App Store. Um, and, uh, you know, so you've got a little bit less visibility. But if you think about this, uh, if you think if so, if you think about this from a from a uh, an app usage perspective, um, you know the thing. One of the things that we do with our retailer partners is we collect all of this metadata about the customer, the high performing customer. So we we look at the at the the keywords that they use to get there the, to get to the site or the the channel that they came through is be it social or or search or direct or retargeting, so so we actually create this this uh, unique visitor ID that that uh, to some extent actually uh, we can we can actually get it across devices, um, and so we keep all of that data so that we understand everything about the customer. We understand what devices they come in on where they are, what their IP address is, what their location is, the time of day. So we can actually create this profile that says a high value customer looks like this. They tend to use these kinds of search phrases. They're from this, these kinds of locations. They come at this time of day and they, they've got, they're using these kinds of devices. Now, Tim, I'm going to have to jump in here because I know that the Abster tribe are going to be 
pounding me for this and uh, to ask the big ultimate question and yeah. is who spends more money those with an android device or those with an iphone us to, to what we can see honestly uh iphone wins by a lot there you go. So all those uh, all those developers who are struggling there, trying to get on by on the Android store, you've just answered the the question: which yeah. which platform to uh, build apps for first? Yeah. When when we look at when we look at, at retail throughput, uh, uh, we we find that iPhone users are they, they buy about twice as much. Now, obviously, we've got a, a relatively small data set, but uh, we're 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 pretty comfortable that that's directionally correct. This is fascinating. Now, so let's switch gears slightly because we did want to talk about your path. And I know that there's uh, potentially someone who's listening to this right now who is on the verge of doing their own thing and you know, maybe taking that risk. Uh, but but it sounds to me like you, you were what the CMO of a $200 million turnover c- company. And uh, what made you then decide to start AdComix and Perhaps you could walk us through that path and, and help us understand what, what we can do to learn from what you've done. Yeah, I, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick, uh, quick career arc. Uh, my first job out of college, I was a high school teacher. And then I jumped into retail. And retail led me into, in, into e-commerce. Uh, and e-commerce led me into search. And I stayed in search for a really long time. Uh, and had started another company, which I sold to a, a big agency. Um, and, and I was precluded from working in search for, for, uh, for uh, a year or two because of a, of a non-compete. So, so I jumped over to the client side and I worked at, uh, at these big companies, uh, Wayfair amongst them, uh, which is a billion dollar online furniture retailer, uh, and then, and, and a, a fashion retailer called Carmeloop. And, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, I got reorged out of Karma Loop. Uh, it turns out Karma Loop and I were not a terrific fit. So I was, so I was, uh, I was, I was out of a job. I had, I have five kids. I've got a mortgage. Uh, and to tell you the truth, a pretty poor profile for starting a company, frankly, because, you know, I'm a high cash burn guy. I've got to feed everybody multiple times a day. Um, and I was I was at the edge of of getting another offer from a, a retailer to to take over a CMO position. And my wife, you know, and I had I had this idea had sort of been kicking around in my head for a couple of years that that frankly I just I wanted to put it away. I didn't I didn't want to I honestly didn't want to build ad chemics, but I had this idea of of understanding how much it costs to sell them something, and and how to maximize the 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 profitability of a retailer and I just couldn't put it down and as I was about to take this other job my wife came to me and she said what are you doing why are you going to take this job and I said well we've got five kids I, I need to feed, to feed everybody and and she said you know what you're just renting that salary you need to go build the thing that you keep on talking about so I did you know, I took the big leap. I didn't have a super great plan. The only thing that I knew is uh, that you know there were problems I wanted to solve. I couldn't solve. You know, I, I couldn't when I was when I was the CMO. Uh, I, I couldn't buy the right solution. So I knew I had to build it. So this was a compulsion. You know, and and I had previous entrepreneurial experience, but 
you know, this was this was a of a different scale than uh, I had ever attempted before, um, and and for anybody who's who's got the itch to start a company, I'll be honest with you, and, and Paul, you can you can probably you know you you can probably attest to this. Yeah, you, you know, running running your own business is super hard. It, you know, it's a it's a twenty nine hour a day thing. You know, it sucks up your your emotional life. It sucks up your your time it sucks up your money, but you can't stop doing it. So if you have the itch to start a company, you need to find a way to scratch it, frankly, because it's not going to go away. That is very inspirational. I have to say that we, we like being honest here because we, you know, we, we're trying to figure this out. I mean, I had the same journey as well in, in that I had a very secure six figure salary and it was, you know, well, well placed, but it took my wife actually as well, you know, to realize that I wasn't particularly happy towards the end of my career and I had to do something. And, uh, and I feel like anyone who's listening to this, who has these same feelings, you, know, you realize that you've only got a limited amount of time on this planet and you just have to go for it. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, what, what's inspirational about your journey, Tim, is that you've got five kids. And so, you know, anyone who's got no kids and is kind of worried about the risk is it shouldn't shouldn't kind of neglect that and uh, just go <laughs> right, for it. Right, it, right. If you if you're a, a single person and your biggest concern is your your rent or your student loan, just pull the ripcord, do it. You're gonna figure it out. You know, you, the, you, if you're smart and you're driven, you can figure out how to make money. It, you know, it's making making enough money to support yourself shouldn't be a, a huge issue. You know, scaling and all that sort of stuff is is different, but I think anybody with with the the right with the right gumption, you know, and and, and a you know, a modicum of skills can can really figure out how to be self-sufficient. And once you're self-sufficient, then you can turn your your attention to understanding, you know, the the places that you need to improve on in order to scale and, and build. But you know, you should be able to become self sufficient if, you know, if you if you if you think about it and, and aren't afraid. Are there any practical steps that you took that you could recommend uh, to, to help with the transition process? Because I guess it is a mindset shift, and there is a period where you there's a lot of uncertainty about income. Did, do you recommend any any action that you took that you could uh, pass on to us? Uh, yeah, there, there's a couple. Um, number one, don't try to do this uh, on your own. You need a you need a community. You need either a a significant other or a family member who can who can support you emotionally. Um, you need to find other entrepreneurs to talk about because you know, I'll I'll be honest. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur. And someone asks you, you know, if your if your uncle Bob asks you how you're doing, you're always going to say, "We're killing it. We're doing great," even if that's not the case. So you need to find those those sort of trusted people where you can say, "Hey, um, I don't know how I'm paying the mortgage this month. Can you help me think through this?" You know, that's the that you know having that kind of emotional support is crucially important. Uh, the the other thing to to really focus on is the fact it. It's just money, and if you don't have it, you're not gonna die because because you're gonna figure out how to get it. You know, if if the prospect of of being able to see the bottom of your checking account uh, is 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 too daunting, 
you know, may, maybe being an entrepreneur is right for you because you'll spend lots of time thinking, <laughs> okay, I, I have, you know, I have a thousand dollars that I need to pay out this week and I have 700 in my checking account. How do I do that? You know, how do I, how do I work that money magic to turn 700 into a thousand? Um, but I must say, you know, once, once you let go of the fear and, and trust in yourself and know that, you know what, I'm going to figure this out, then the sky's the limit, frankly. I mean, there's, there's, there's no reason, there's, there's no reason to be afraid if you have, if you believe in yourself. That is highly inspirational, Tim, I have to say, and um, thanks for being so open with us. And I'm pretty sure that that's going to inspire someone listening to this to, to at least have a very serious think about uh, their future and, uh, you know, try something. So there's two more things that we need to do before we say goodbye to you. One is that uh, we do like to try and come up with new ideas and, you know, for things for people to build and uh, uh, to entrepreneurs to try. And I wondered if, like in your you know, day-to-day life, whether you come across any particular uh, problems out there that really need solving. Uh, and uh, if you've got, got any more ideas on top of uh, AdComics that you could share with us. Oh, there's, there's one thing that, that there's one process that grown-ups, that uh, most adults go through that is so totally broken. It's buying a home. Buying a home, the, the entire process is so radically and terribly broken uh, that I think if there are aspiring app developers and entrepreneurs out there who can, who can streamline the financing and discovery of homes, and, and you know, I don't know if, if anyone listening has gone to get a mortgage, it can, I, I, I just can't imagine a process that is more full of, of arcane bureaucracy uh, and, and capricious decision-making. Uh, I really do think that the, that the, 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 the home finance uh, realm is ripe for disruption. I, I agree. And actually, uh, I was looking at that a number of years ago. And, uh, you know, just from the simple fact of, uh, you know, trying to arrange a viewing. I mean, here we are living in a digital world and uh, it should be very easy to just take a digital tour of uh, all these different homes. Uh, but uh, it doesn't seem like uh, that technology is keeping up with that whole side of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are some, some companies that do really good stuff. Like Redfin actually does really nice stuff to sort of make the realtor part of it less egregious. But in terms of mortgage qualification and, and you know, funding the home or re- refinancing a home, there really should be technology solutions that make this much easier. Uh, it, it is just it's 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 an incredibly it's an incredibly arcane world that's full of Byzantine regulations, uh, and 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 I think that that the 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 company that truly figures out how to disrupt that isn't a billion dollar company. It's a trillion dollar company. <laughs> you know, we had a past episode that gave us a billion dollar idea. And you're, you're the first uh, guest who's come up with a trillion dollar idea. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, I do think that's a, a wonderful idea. And uh, maybe they should, uh, anyone who's thinking of building something should speak to you because, um, you know, the idea of uh, trying to work out predictive patterns amongst consumers. I mean, 
surely there must be some prediction of how likely you are to pay off your mortgage uh, going forward based yeah, on yeah. based on you know the the keyword searches that you do and, and some of the other behavior <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's right so so if you if you start looking for oh my god how can i afford this you're probably not a good risk. Yeah, let, let me just give you a tip now. <laughs> Don't go to Google and say, how do I pay off my credit card debt? <laughs> how do I uh, avoid paying it back? You know, just don't right, use those exactly. keywords. Exactly. Uh, Tim, there's, well, the final thing is to know what's on your phone and, and try and figure out if there's one or two apps that you tend to use in, in your um, business or personal life that you could recommend to us. We love talking about apps and finding out about new apps. So do you have one or two apps that perhaps you feel like we may not have come across before? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, everyone's probably come across this before, but Uber Conference, use it every day, all the time. Fantastic application. Um, in Evernote, I spend an awful lot of time in there. Just, um, you said Uber Conference. That's just the, the straightforward Uber uh, Drive app, is it? No, no, no. No, Uber Conference is act- it's actually it's a, a conference call and screen sharing application. Right. Okay. No, I, I actually don't uh, think that's been mentioned before. Yeah, and 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 honestly, I mean, it's a it's a you know you you pay a subscription for the service, but uh, Adchemix is a virtual company. We're in Boston, Toronto, and San Francisco, so we don't have we don't have one spot where everyone sits. Um, so we spend an awful lot of our time uh, uh, in 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 meetings and conference calls internally and with with clients. And we found that Uber Conference uh, is is just a t- is just terrific. And uh, Uber Conference, if you're listening, I'd love to get six free months for that shout out. Um, <laughs> Maybe I should reach out to them as well and get them yeah. on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I'll tell you that uh, the the uh, you know you know what's actually probably more interesting than the the, the applications that I use. Uh, it's probably the applications that my kids use because. They're the people who are spending money. Um, the things that they have spent an awful lot of time uh, looking at recently are st- uh, stick texting, where you can send little gifts via via iMessage. That is that's super important for them. Uh, also, uh, any sort of card trading game. Uh, EA Sports has done a, a great job with Bunt and Huddle and their new Star Wars card trader card trader game. Uh, they they love that. Um, also, from a, just from a business management perspective, I cannot say enough good things about Expensify. Uh, all of my employees use Expensify to keep track of their reimbursable expenses. Um, and it, it, is, it is a fantastically great application. Wonderful. And oh, I would give out a shout out to one more. TripIt, uh, because I travel a lot. TripIt helps me manage my travel itinerary and all of my loyalty cards and all that sort of stuff and it's i i it would it would be impossible for me to travel without it well what a great long list and i wonder if anyone is struggling to you know take a note of all those uh, there will be on the show notes just go to the episode uh, 270 on the appguy.co and look for tim kilroy and i'll put links to those mentioned resources uh, on there uh, t- tim this has been a, a fascinating journey i know that we're running out of time, and I wondered uh, towards the end, is there anything we missed about Adcomix or your journey that you feel we should uh, just talk about now? And uh, or did you feel like we covered everything? Yeah, I feel like I feel like we we covered a lot. You know, at Adcomix, we are we are growing really quickly. We've got uh, three products, three standalone uh, analytics products coming out 
in the next six months, which we're really excited about and we think will, will dramatically change how retailers think about the way that they spend money. Um, and for aspiring entrepreneurs, just do it. It's not, it doesn't get easier to do it later. Do it now. Start today. Make your company. Start building stuff. Ship it and, and live the life that you want to live. I have to say, Tim, and uh, as we go through each episode, I, I tend to write down one or two quotes. I've got about 10 quotes from you already. So <laughs> it's been a, a, a wonderfully rich conversation. Thank you so much for being a terrific inspirational guest. It's why I set this podcast show up is to meet people like you and to, to get the enthusiasm to you know, carry on this journey. So thank you very much, Tim. How, how best can we connect and reach out to you? What's the best way of getting in touch? Uh, Tim at adchemics.com. That's, that's the very best way. Great. And so, Tim, thank you very much for coming on the App Guide podcast and uh, all, all the best with uh, your path and um, with um, feeding those five kids of yours. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Have a terrific day. <laughs>